0: I know it ain't a great morning outside, but we're going to have a pretty good time for the next hour or so. Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, Horticulturist Felda Rushing. Our producer is Austin Java Chapman. For the next hour or so, we're going to talk about gardening. I know it's uh, not great weather out there. I mean, it's snowing in central North Mississippi, but we're live here at MPB. We're going to talk about some nothing but gardening with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. Sit back, folks. We're going to take a few minutes of news before we start this party here at MPB. Now, let's start getting dirty. are rushing, and we're going to try to be cheery today. I know it's a lot of weird stuff going on with the snow coming down and all the stuff that's floating around the airwaves, but, Java, it's all good, ain't it?
2: It's always all good, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, that's the nice part about uh, gardening is no matter what's going on, we always got hope that we can do some stuff, although it's a pretty weird weekend. Matter of fact, uh, Java, I got a, a, a several emails this past week uh, from folks who are wondering about what they can do in their garden uh, one even from down on the Gulf Coast down in uh, near Mobile. This is from Sally. She said, I live on Dolphin Island part of the year. Planted an oleander bush three years ago. It's done beautifully, uh, even though it's right on the coast. But uh, I came home last week and it looks mostly dead. Anything I can do to resuscitate it? I'm afraid we've a job with all this weather. We had, you know, over the past Really, several weeks. There's a lot of plants that look bad. Oleander's been killed, but you know you can cut those to the ground, and they'll shoot sprout out perfectly fine in the spring. Sort of like a like a perennial instead of a shrub. And I know a lot of people have lost their, their cast iron plant, their aspidistra. It looks bad; it's brown. Sago palms, the leaves are brown. Some palms. Are, all you can do is cut that stuff off and wait till spring.
2: And what's so, that um, uh feather? Oh, what's that word where you said it? It kind of turn to mushy because it's so it's so cold and frozen? Oh,
0: oh you know, that's, uh, that's, that's great. The word that I came up with was called uh, uh, booglify.
2: There you booglify. go, booglify. But,
0: but actually, actually, a listener sent something in right after that. I'm going to see if I can find it. And there's actually is now a technical word for it that we didn't have back when I was in college. But you know, when something turns nasty and slimy and they pick it up, it just drips off the fingers frozen in the cell uh just terrible i'm afraid if you left some plants out they booglified a long time ago uh, it's not supposed to really get that cold up this weekend just down the teens
3: isn't it
2: yeah but it's not supposed to get above freezing well if it does it's just going to be a little while because yeah we're, we're getting into teens and freezing weather for the next couple of days
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's really weird saying it's only getting down to, you know, into the 20s and all. But really what hurts our plants more than anything, Java, this time of year isn't so much the cold weather. A lot of these plants can take even colder weather. It's the fact that you were, you know, sunny and warm just, what, day before yesterday, yesterday.
2: It was like 65, 70 degrees in some places just yesterday. And right outside the MPB studios, it's snowing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what gets the plants. You know, in in places further north, it gets cold, it stays cold. In England, it gets cold, it stays cold. But in, in the deep south, in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, it'll warm up and plants think, okay, it's all cool. They start putting out new growth and then we get a sudden hard freeze. That's what really uh, gets us. And there's not much we can do about it. You know, a lot of people want to know about covering plants up or putting a light bulb around them or, you know, wetting them down. Really, there's not a whole lot we can do that, that, you know, within two or three or four degrees of freezing, it can help for a little while. But once it gets down to mid-20s or it stays cold, not much we can do except hunker down and do like gardeners always do and replant. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's turn out this morning. I'd like to just talk with folks about gardening. Here it is in the middle of January. It's cold. We don't know what to expect. Got a little ways before springtime. Well, let's talk about it. Let's start out by going down to the Gulf Coast to Diamond Head and talk with Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Good morning, sir.
4: Good morning, Father. How
5: are you? So far,
0: so good. What's going on?
5: Well, i got to tell you, I've got the best-looking lawn in all of Diamond Head, and it's because of you, and I keep that mower deck as high as it can possibly go. And when everybody asks me, I tell them, listen to Felder and raise that mower deck, and it will save your lawn. But my neighbors, man, in the- of course, want to cut it to the nubs, and now that winter's coming in, there's weeds growing everywhere, and it's starting to creep into my lawn. And I'm wondering if uh, planting some ryegrass... Uh, is going to hurt my lawn in the spring if I plant ryegrass in my lawn over the winter? You have what Saint Augustine or centipede? It's 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 Saint Augustine.
0: Yeah. Say, unfortunately, uh, overseeding really it really causes problems to uh, unless you have, unless you have Bermuda grass. But what it takes to grow uh, ryegrass, uh, first of all, you got to get the seeds down of the dirt, and your lawn is too thick for that. But uh, what happens is in the springtime, it starts growing pretty rapidly when the when the temperatures warm up, and it can shade out and cause problems the St. Augustine. So really your best bet, instead of – let me put it another way. Ryegrass will become a weed in your lawn. You know, right now, okay. probably the b- best thing that well, – what I would do, Andrew, is uh, if you're not opposed to using uh, weed killers, get one of these – these uh, liquid sprays, not one of these weeding feeds, but a liquid spray that's that for controlling weeds. And you can go out as soon as the weather warms up in January or early February and spray the weeds while they're small. It won't hurt your grass because it's dormant, but if you wait, they're going to get bigger and bigger, harder to kill, going to seed. And so if you'll go out with the, on a fairly warm day, you know, kind of a nice day, and spray them with a liquid weed killer for for the lawn, that'll take care of them quickly before they really get to be a problem another two months from now.
5: Okay, so do it around uh,
0: the end of this month if it's warm enough? Yeah, just the first warm day you have, you know, the quicker the better. I mean, you know, you can actually see those plants if you look for them in December. They're real small. And they're very sensitive to herbicides while they're small, but once it, the bigger they get and once they start flowering, weed killers just don't work as well. So, you know, now's your chance, and your neighbors are going to start having those problems uh, in, in late February and March, they're going to be flowering. And they're going to want to know what to do, and it's too late to do anything then. So you got the upper hand on them two ways here. You don't have as many, and you're going to get a head start on them before they get too big to, to really control.
5: Thank you so much, Feller. I appreciate you.
0: All right, and, and by the way, just to give full credit, it ain't Feller saying all this. Is every turf specialist in the South – Says raise your mower. That you know, I'm just it's not my opinion at all. So if you what you do, you can quote Mississippi State University turf specialists on that because they got more
5: well, everybody on the block looks at my lawn and they ask how I do it. I tell them raise the deck, quit cutting it down to the mud. Yep. It's real simple.
0: Oh, well, yeah, If they want if they want a carpet, they need to move move north because uh, St. Augustine centipedes right. are not carpets. They're, thro- they're 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 uh, uh, shag carpets is what they are. Anyway, appreciate your call, man. Stay warm. All righty. Just jumping right off the bat. We're we're getting phone calls. You want know, to give me a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven 1-877-MPB-RING, 877-MPB-RING, toll-free no matter where you are. Uh, but I got another email the other day uh, that I, I thought was interesting. This is from Sylvia. She lives in Raymond, which is uh, just outside Jackson and Mississippi. She says, "Is it too wet or too late to plant daffodils?" She said, "I don't expect blooms this year, but I'd like to get some in the ground." Um, it, it is kind of wet. It is late. You know, you, if you've got the bulbs and you haven't planted them yet, go in and plant them because otherwise, they're just going to shrivel up and die like an old onion sitting on the uh, kitchen shelf. If you want to buy some and plant them, uh, plant them a little on the shallow side, maybe. If the ground's too wet, uh, uh work up some dirt a little bit, put them out there, and then pile dirt and mulch on top of them. But uh, the important thing is they're already up, they're already growing. There's some that are starting to bloom right now, Uh some of the early paper whites and jonquils. Um, so it's a little late to be planting them, but you know, if you got them, go ahead and put them in the ground. They might do something. Or else put them in pots and uh, set the pots outside, and they should do perfectly fine. It's a little, little bit late, but no big deal on that. By the way, I got some uh, uh, some e- events coming up, and I love to share these ki- kind of things. I give quite a few presentations around the the region uh, to garden clubs and master gardeners, and library talks particularly. Uh, if you know somebody interested in having me do a, a a little presentation, get get in touch. I'm always glad to custom craft something for you and your neighbors. Uh, there's a, there's there's a couple of interesting ones coming up right away uh, this weekend. On the Gulf Coast, the Mississippi Gulf Coast Beekeepers Association is offering the annual free beekeeping class. free Anybody interested in beekeeping? This is a free class. It's going to be at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, uh, which is on Highway 90 in Gautier. So if you're anywhere near the uh, central part of Mississippi along the Gulf Coast, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is Jackson County Campus there on Highway 90 in Gautier. Uh, it looks like it's a three-part class, but it's going to be Saturday starting at 2 o'clock, Saturday, January the 13th. So if you need some more information about that, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to get back with you. Also, this next week, next Tuesday, the Capaya County Master Gardeners continue their fantastic local garden workshops. The next one's going to be on themed gardens. Trisha Nelson is going to talk about how to create different themed gardens it's going to be Tuesday, January the 16th, 6 p.m., the Copiah County Extension Service, which is at the fairgrounds. If you're anywhere uh, near there, it's Highway 65 off Interstate 55. It's free also. Now, a couple of that are coming up that I think are going to be really big deals. Uh, one is called Smart Landscaping. Um, it's designed for sustainable landscape workshop. It's going to be Saturday, January the 12th. Well, it's not this Saturday. I, let me see. Call them. The 27th. There we go. Saturday, uh, Saturday January the 27th. Smart Landscapes is a one-day training workshop uh, by Mississippi State experts on how to have the smartest landscape on your block. Uh, Smart Landscapes, they talk about sustainable approaches to working with water, wildlife, biodiversity, energy efficiency, soil design. Anyway, the registration fee is $40. It includes all the workshop materials. This could be at MSU at the Bost Extension Center, which is right next to the stadium uh, on campus there in Starkville. Uh, if you want some details of registration, I mean, gonna be an all-day thing. It's going to be like 9 to 5. Got all sorts of experts there. Uh, go to Mississippi State Landscape Architecture. Just Google Mississippi State Landscape Architectures, and it will take you uh, from, from there. Uh, two other things coming up, February the 10th, Hutto's, I'm doing a free home fruit seminar if you're interested in planting any kind of fruit trees or vines or shrubs. Uh, this is a free workshop at Hutto's in Jackson, February of the 10th. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. And then a talk I'm doing at a library down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, anyway, there's other stuff going on, but if you have some events you'd like me to help promote, i would be really happy to. it. Just Gardening, we're a big party. We like to share who's doing what. Uh, just shoot me an email garden at mpbonline.org we're going to take a very very short break a minute or two and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener uh, the phone lines are open uh, we've got a, a caller from Cleveland but if you want to give me a call it's toll free one eight seven seven mpb we're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener and your gardening questions live here on MPB
1: right after this this is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Welcome back, folks. Horticultures Phil to you here. I hope you're staying warm. Hope your garden is doing okay. Um, I've got some uh, other, some things i like to announce that uh, it is a call-in program, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING, anything related to gardening. Let's go up to the Delta and talk with Pat from Cleveland. Pat, are you getting snow or just rain?
5: We're kind of getting um, uh, a little bit of uh, snow, and we're getting some ice, but it's mostly snow oh, right now.
0: You know, it's not like, and I'm from the Delta, it's not like we got a whole lot of stuff to look at or, or look around and take advantage of just to, to cheer our spirits up, but uh, you wouldn't by any chance to have a bottle tree in your yard, would you? I do. You do? Well, you know, I yeah. already got, you know, the colors of the, you know, sort of like having what they call poor man's stained glass. Just look at the bottles. Maybe that will help cheer you up a little bit.
5: Anyway, well, what then- can I
0: help you with today?
5: Well, you know, I I think I missed the uh, opportunity to thin out my daylilies. Probably I should have done that in the fall, so I want to know if it's okay to do it now.
0: Well, yeah, daylilies and irises are among the few perennials. You can dig and divide them while they're in full bloom. They really don't care, but the sooner you get around to it, the better they'll be established before they really start putting on a lot of leaves and flowers. So any time before spring, but uh, they're, they're hardly disturbed at all from being divided any time of the year. It's a good time yeah, w- once it dries out. Okay, sounds great. That's great news. Thanks so much, Felder. Okay, if you got some, if you got some extra, go, you know, this is a, a stupid little thing, but go around at night and plant them here and there by telephone poles and stuff. Nobody'll notice. <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds great. laughs> I mean, you know, it's 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 called guerrilla gardening. Appreciate your call, Pat. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, uh, all righty. Give us a call, folks. One eight seven seven M T B ring. Got the 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 lines wide open right now. Um, uh, this thing, this landscape, sustainable landscape seminar coming up at Mississippi State. That's gonna be on the twenty seventh. Uh, there's a whole lot to go into landscaping, but if you're really interested in, in planning ahead and, and having an overall smart garden with great plants and wildlife and managing your water and, and pests and reducing the chemicals and stuff like that, this is a really good seminar. So one-day thing starts at 9, registration uh, before then, but starts at 9 to 5 at MSU. They're putting their best foot forward. So if you want information about that, Go, go to, uh, just Google Mississippi State University landscape architecture, and that will take you to their site, and it's got information on that first page. Meanwhile, let's go down to Jackson, talk with Bill. Hey, Bill, good
4: morning. Good morning, Felder. How are you?
0: Howdy, what's up? Good, good, good. good. Uh, just trying to trying to stay warm.
4: Oh, yes. Uh, I've got some evergreen shrubs that are foundation plantings, uh, been in the house 20 years, and they are getting overwhelming boxwoods, lagerstums, and holly. Uh, yeah. When can I prune them, and how far back can I prune them?
0: Well, all three of those can be pruned. I mean, you can cut them down to foot, foot and a half tall if you want to. It won't hurt the plants. They'll put out new growth. But keep in mind, they put out new growth in the spring after everything else is greened up. Your neighbor's going to talk about you for a while, but just hold your head up. But you you can cut them anywhere you want, down to, you know, a foot, foot and a half tall if you want to. Just keep in mind, the new growth comes out right where you make the cuts. So instead of cutting them straight across, do them in kind of a snow cone shape. And then it's going to be real important, Bill, to come back this summer, early summer, and tip prune that new growth so it bushes out instead of shooting up past the eaves of your house.
4: Sounds good to me.
0: Well, let me let me suggest one other thing. If you can, things like boxwood and, and hollies and all, that's not that big a deal. But ligustrum wants to be a small evergreen tree, and if it's possible, think about instead of cutting it down, thinning out some of the lower uh, uh, limbs, and then thin, thinning out a few branches of what's left, and letting it grow up into a uh, an eight or ten or twelve foot tall evergreen shrub. You know, that's, that way you'd never have to deal with it again. But if you cut it down, it's going to jump right back up. And so, so where you can, limb up into small trees.
4: Yeah, I think that is about 8 to 10 feet already. That's, that's well, what Well, you want know, it's
0: ligustrum. not going to get a whole lot. It, it's really not going to get a whole lot bigger than that. They can get maybe 10 or 12 feet. But, you know, what, what I would do is would, would be to go ahead and just, you know, thin out some of the lower stuff so you see the, almost like a miniature tree if if you drive around town you'll see a lot done like that same thing with camellias and then all you have to do is just cut out any of the real tall shoots here and there instead of cutting it way back and starting it all over again it's just it's easier in the long run so just think about that but you can cut it down to knee high if you want to won't hurt it at all all right thank you very much good luck on it one eight seven seven mpb ring. Let's go down to Hattiesburg. Hey, Michael, how are you this morning?
5: I'm doing fine, Phil. I hope you're having a good morning.
0: So far, so good. And I'm warm and dry, so that's important.
5: What's up? <laughs> I was. We had talked back in the spring. I had a lawn with some weeds and empty dandelions, and I just said I needed to wait and put a pre-emergent herbicide. So I was calling back about uh-huh. that. I've got a centipede lawn. My neighbor's got a... a Oh, uh, what's the other one? Um, Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine. Thank you. Um, and so yeah, I'm yeah. calling for both of us um, about what what kind of pre-emergent herbicide should we try using?
0: Oh, uh, first of all, I, I would not recommend pre-emerge. That must not have been me. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this because pre-emerge is a granular stuff that kills yeah. weeds as they sprout out from seeds. So it works on Seed sprouted plants, things like dandelions and, and uh, uh, wild onions and garlic, things like that. They're perennial plants, and pre-emerge has no effect at all. What I would oh, do is cool. I would go out. You know, so you know, if 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 you have problem with with weeds in February, March, and April, those are already growing out there. What I would do is get a liquid spray that, sports, you know, and it'll have it'll have instructions on how to use it on Saint Augustine or centipede, uh, but use it. On a nice, warmish day, as soon as you can, while those plants are small, and that'll nip them in the bud before they get h- taller. and big. The longer you wait into February, into March, the harder it is to kill them. Right now, they're fairly easy, and your, your lawn is dormant. But a liquid spray is going to be a whole lot better than a granule on perennial
5: weeds. Oh, okay. Um, and so yeah. other, other weeds would would be what would the be, uh, pre-emergent herbicide would work on, but not
0: the dandelion. Well, no. The, the, pre, Pre-em pre-emerge works on, on plants as they first sprout out from seed. And most of the weeds we oh. have trouble with in the springtime, like henbit and all that, they came from seed. They sprouted back in November, December. Stickers and okay. things like that. So you you put pre-emerge down for winter and spring weeds, you put it down in the fall before they sprout. And for summer weeds, you put it down in the spring to cut down your summer weeds. But preemerge, you do it before they sprout, and all of our winter and spring weeds are already sprouted. So this, this, oh, okay. this year I, I would use the liquid spray, and that should get rid of most of them. If, you don't you don't have to really overdose them either. So don't feel like you gotta soak everything. This stuff works. Okay, and will that
5: kill the dandelions for future years too, or every year I have to spray them again?
0: No, no, no. Well, you'll, you'll have more come back every year from seeds. I mean, there's, you know, this is just part, it's like killing mosquitoes. You can, you can wipe mosquitoes and, and you can get rid of squirrels in your yard, but more are going to come back, see. So the main thing is try to get the worst of them under control. And then, I don't know if you heard one of the earlier callers from down south. If you raise, this is not my opinion, this is turf fact. If you mow high, you can have fewer problems with the weeds coming up from seed. That's just the number one thing on weed control is born at the
5: right height. Okay, I've been doing that. Well, when I talked to you, you said something about December or January. I needed to put out whatever it was I wanted to put out. That, so well, in
0: in yeah it, it, it in uh, in December or January is when the the it, uh, the spring weeds. The winter and spring weeds are already up they sprout in like late october november like that so you can find them you can spray on easier december january early february that that's what you would spray for but as far as putting Uh-oh. the pre-emerge out that's not going to help on perennial weeds like wild onions and in uh, dandelion and garlic and stuff like that it just doesn't help
5: i got you okay uh, thank you very much yeah. Dale. you have a good day
0: okay all right appreciate it thank uh, you Ooh, I know it's probably confusing folks when I talk about this kind of stuff, but bottom line is pretty kills seeds as they sprout. And that's best done in the fall or in the spring for summer weeds. But if you, if you have problems with weeds in March and April, if you think you, you want to control them then, stickers, dandelions, henbit, garlic, what I call wildflowers, you know, you need to go ahead and start thinking about spraying this time of year. You know, if you want to spray for them again, it's not something that, that I particularly I, I like about metal law. Anyway, we're going to take a little bit of a break for music. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free on MPB. And by the way, on Monday we're going to celebrate some of the things put in motion by the late Martin Luther King Jr. It's a day to reflect on who we are, more than individuals, but as a country. Enough said. Here's some music to think about. Woke up this
2: morning Smiled at the rising sun
3: Three little birds Back by my doorstep Singing the sweet song i your head.
2: Smiled at, the Smiled at the rising sun Three little birds, Three little birds. By my doorstep By my Singing a sweet song, sweet song. Melody cool. pure and true
3: Every little thing is going to be alright. Singing, singing, don't worry, singing, worry about, about, a thing, about a thing. Cause every little thing is going to be alright. woke up this morning.
1: Sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to MPBOnline.org. Oh, folks.
3: Welcome
0: back. Horticulture spelled rushing. Hope you're staying warm. Hope you're staying dry today. Hope your garden is going to do okay. but. It's always springtime. By the way, I got an email from uh, uh, Robin Kirby. She said, I recently bought a house and i like to take the gardenias I planted in memory of my mother. Well, now would be a good time to dig them up and bring them with me. Um, so yes, wintertime, if you want to move a shrub, if you want to move some plants while they're dormant, this is a good time. I would go ahead and dig the holes where they're going to first because that's the hardest part to get right. And if you do a good job of that, cover it with mulch, then uh, next time you get around to it and you feel like it, you can go ahead and move plants. The sooner the better. And if they're really big plants, I think it's very important to prune them back because you're going to be leaving a lot of roots behind. So if you're going to move something, prune the tops to help balance them, take the stress off it till they have a the chance to grow some new roots in the spring. Let's go down to uh, to talk with Buddy. Buddy, are you really in waterproof Louisiana?
3: That is correct. Where is waterproof, and what makes it waterproof? Uh, the name goes back to early steamboat days. There was a high, dry spot of ground. We're between Memphis <laughs> and Vicksburg, right on the Mississippi River on the Louisiana side. Yeah, so it is waterproof, then. <laughs> it's a good good place to stop to rest. Well, what can help you with this morning? I'm a commercial uh, summertime vegetable and fruit grower. But I decided uh-huh. to plant a, a winter garden at my house this year. It was looking absolutely beautiful. We planted started from seed and did transplants of uh, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, and carrots. And my question is, yeah. what, what's the lowest temperature they can stand?
0: That's a good question. Um, they can, they can, you know, because in, in Louisiana, where you are, the soil stays warm. You know, a couple of weeks ago it got cold and it stayed cold, and that's what really gets them. Uh, but they can take down into the mid, even the lower twenties briefly, but if it gets cold and stays cold, that's what damages
3: them. We try got to down to things about, it, like it got, yeah it got down to about fifteen and stayed there for hours and hours yeah, well, you know it's
0: it's just a, it, you you have to wait and see you know it, technically things like cabbages and broccoli and cauliflower. You know, they really like cool weather, not hot or cold weather. So most of the people who plant those are commercial growers. They plant them in the late summer and try to harvest before it gets too cold. Then they plant again sometime in late January, February and try to harvest before it gets too hot. But there's not a whole lot that really does well all winter long other than collards and kale. Okay. Those are going to be your best bet. So we got a little little downtime in January, February, where it's tough for stuff to take the sudden hard freezes. So you can play around with that, though. But I, I, I would try not to plan on planting stuff to make it through January and February, except for maybe collars and kales. Everything else just going to be a gamble. But, you know, last time I checked, it was legal to gamble in the Louisiana garden. <laughs>
3: Okay, I appreciate the information, and I always enjoy your show. You're very much helpful to us, and we do appreciate it.
0: Appreciate, it. And, and when you get a chance, look at different kind of kale. You know, if you like to, if you like uh, collards, uh, cabbies, you know, leafy greens. There's a, there's several kinds of kale. K a l e. There's one that's got kind of a blue green leaf. Some people call it uh, uh, Tuscan blue, or even dinosaur kale because it's ruffled, but it's a real popular extremely cold, hardy delicious alternative to old-fashioned collards.
3: I'll, I'll take it into drive.
0: Good, good luck, I man. Shoot me an email. I'll send you a picture of it, and you can see how it's also real pretty. And you, it's, it's it's nice to grow stuff that's pretty. When you're tired of looking at it, you can eat it. So shoot me an email sometime, buddy, and I'll be glad to work with. You. Sounds fun. She'll sure appreciate it. Oh, let me ask you one other thing. You are on the Louisiana side of
3: the of the river, north of Baton Rouge, right? But we have uh, to get to us from you. You'd go to Vicksburg, and then south at Tallulah, forty-five miles. Gotcha, gotcha. We, gotcha we're between, gotcha. between Faraday and Tallulah. Yeah, well, I,
0: I got. I, I was I was down in uh, South Louisiana uh, back around Thanksgiving, and I drove up. Tr- north towards baton rouge and i got really lost because i forgot there's a couple of big river bypasses down that way but you're still high and dry appreciate your call man thank you all righty folks we got the lines wide open you want to give us a call toll free 1-877-MPB-RING 877-MPB-RING anywhere you want to call also if you want to shoot me an email garden at org. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things going on um, this time of year that are more planning than actually doing stuff. You know, about all we can do right now is just wander around, but one thing I'd encourage you to do, especially if you live anywhere, if you don't live in a, a, an older part of town, ride to, rather walk around some of the older parts of town and look at the shrubs and the trees, the ground covers, the things that have been out there for a long time in an established landscape that are doing perfectly well. We've been sort of, mm, I don't know if it's a blessing or not, but we've had a real strong influx of plants that are grown in Florida that for the past several winters have done okay, but they really don't like that cold weather that we normally get. So anyway, if you ride around and look at the kind of old-fashioned plants that are good for modern-day gardens that grow well without any care at all, You can see there's a lot of good choices, especially in the shade where it's too shady for grass. Uh, Anyway, let's go to uh, Jackson, talk with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Howdy.
4: Hello, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Yeah, what's up? What you got going in your garden? Oh, uh, just kale and uh, some greenery right now. Uh, But I want to thank you for a hint that you gave a few weeks ago. I picked all the set off my tree just before the freeze. And I put them in the refrigerator like you suggested to let them mellow, and they are sweeter as the result of sitting in the refrigerator. Now, wait, now, what, what kind of flat was it? Citrus? Satsuma. A
0: satsuma. Well, what do what you do in growing satsuma in central Mississippi anyway? Don't you know you were raised better than that?
4: Well, I've got my fingers crossed. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to make it after that freeze or not. <laughs> Well, we'll see, but you know, this is a lot. A lot of
0: people don't realize citrus um, it sweetens up, but it's just like a lot of things. Have you ever grown sweet potatoes? Yes. You know, a lot. A lot of people don't realize when you plant them, if you dig them, they're hard and they're not very sweet. But if you let them sit up for a few days or a couple of three weeks, they actually get sweeter and softer, easier to cook later. That's the same thing with 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 a lot of plants. When you pull them up, the only thing that's good right off the vine is going to be a tomato.
4: Well, we used to have a little potato shed where we would put a layer of hay down and then put our sweet potatoes in there, and then a layer of hay and then more sweet potatoes, and then we would just eat them uh, throughout the course of the year, pulling them out of the shed like that, and they did soften up. Yep, that was back in the days when people grew. And you know,
0: sweet potatoes are pretty. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd end up growing some down towards the parking line into your garden. And it
4: out through the ground cover. My grandmother always told me, "Eat the skin. That's where all the nutrients are." <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> well, I would go along with that on on Irish potatoes, sweet potatoes. I'm not sure about that's going to give you some digestive upset, boss. <laughs> okay, thanks, Felder. <laughs> anyway, stay warm. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Okay, one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go down to Gulfport. Hi, Cynthia. Good morning.
5: Hi. How are you today?
0: So far, so good.
5: All right. What's up? I planted an oak tree from the giveaway that they have on Arbor Day. It was about four feet high, and it uh-huh. has growth. It almost looks like it would be an acorn starting to grow, but it's actually in the stems and in the trunk, and it's little clusters of these growths. I don't know if it's a disease or what it might be.
0: Well, I, I can help you, but uh, my first guess, especially if it's on the twigs, would be the, there's a lot of insects that lay eggs in the in the real tender stems of, of oaks and other trees, and it causes the growth to grow around. Sometimes it's hollow, sometimes wood, but they're called galls, G-A-L-L. Uh, galls are, are, are usually where there was an insect. Some oaks I actually learned to recognize by the type of galls that they have. It's it's that normal. But I've never heard of one on the trunk. Um, Is it possible for you to take a a really good, clear, close-up picture with your uh, phone or your camera and send it to me? Because I can identify it pretty quickly that way.
5: Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you.
0: Yeah, just, yeah, just make sure it's, it's good and focused. But if it is a gall, there's not much you can do about it. Sometimes it doesn't really affect the tree. Sometimes that from, from that point out, it'll die. So I'm just, you know, if it's on a twig, I wouldn't worry about it. But on the trunk, I want to take a look at it. It may be something completely different. It might be some kind of insect called a scale or something. I, I don't know without looking at it.
5: But I have... Um two other oak trees that I planted at the same time, and neither of them have it. Is that the same kind of oak? Yeah, they're all live oak.
0: Oh, I don't know, you know, because most of the time it's going to be an insect, it's going to affect one or the other, but the best thing I can do is just take a a close look up and just take it from there.
5: Okay, great. Thank you for your time.
0: Okay, look forward to it. Thanks, Cynthia. By the way, folks, our email is mpbonline, excuse me, garden at mpbonline.org. Let's slide down to over to Mobile. Hey, Virgil, good morning.
6: Good morning. What's up? Well, you gave me some good advice. I replanted uh, a Christmas cactus that was given to me many years ago by my aunt Uh and uh, replanted it in a slightly larger container, set it on top of a Little coconut tiki, and then the uh, coconut tiki came home from <laughs> church, and it uh, didn't have as quite as strong a bottom as I thought. It was all on the ground in pieces, so I quickly replanted yeah. it again. Uh, with some miracle Grow potting soil or something like that, and uh, and it bloomed this year. But some of it's yeah. not looking. It's finished blooming, and some of it's just nice and green, and some of it's getting a little olive green and whatnot, and I was just wondering yeah. if it's time for me to kind of uh, give it a little shot of some kind of liquid fertilizer, or maybe even the old fish emulsion mixture or something.
0: Well, the fish emulsion and natural fertilizer and I try to use natural fertilizers as much as I can, but they don't work as well in potting soils because they've got to be broken down by, by soil organisms. So typically you're gonna find it in dirt, not in potting soil. So your plants would, would be better off with, with something that's designed for potted plants. Okay. I would use it at half strength though. Uh here's the thing about the this Christmas cactus, uh, the the epiphyte type plants, they they like sunshine but not broiling hot sun and it could be that yours needs be getting a little bit more light or
6: not as much light. Uh, these are these are indoors for the winter, right? Well, yeah, probably not as much light because I've had to move them off the back porch where they get a moderate amount of about four hours a day of nice sunshine, uh, but yeah. uh, I've had to move them in for these doggone cold nights and so they're not getting the sunshine that they really need to get right well,
0: now. Well, well I, I've seen some that just turn as green as they can because, you know, they're not getting enough light. And also I've seen them turn re- get red from from light. The thing to do is put them in a place where they get, you know, pretty bright light and fertilize them at half strength, full strength. strength, whatever it calls. Yeah, half strength. Give them a little shot of that and uh, move them where they get a light. If you need to, you can prune these plants like you can of little shrubs, and they sprout out all new growth real quick.
6: Oh, okay. So, you know,
0: it might – so if they get kind of leggy in the wintertime or they're getting long and floppy, you can prune them, and they'll sprout out just
6: like little bushes. Right. And this thing is 20 years old. Do they have kind of a shelf life, or is that uh...
0: – Well, the, yeah, the, the original plants only live for, you know, certain – like like any cactus in the ground, you know, it's the new growth that, that – you know. so what a lot of people do when they have older ones – is they'll cut cut them back a little bit and root the parts that cut off, sort of keep them going as a clone. And oh. then the the parts that are left, they spread out with strong health and new growth closer to the to the to the ground. The further they get away from the ground. The weaker they're going to get.
6: I got you. Well, Would root tone
0: be good in that process? Or? Not, not not necessary at all. What I would do is, you know how they have the little individual leaflet type things. If you'll just sort of twist them off or cut them off, let them dry out for a few days. You can let them completely dry out. Then put them in some potting <laughs> soil that's barely moist. They'll sprout out all over again.
6: Great, great. Well, all right. I sure do appreciate it. Good luck on it. Thanks oh, for your call. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, then, folks, we're going to take a real quick break. We've got the lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm horticulture horticulturist, Phil rushing, don't know it all. Some stuff I know. I wish I didn't know. Some stuff I wish I could remember. But if you want to give us a call or shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, or give us a call at toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Oh, by the way, I've got a brand-new online thing I'd like to share with y'all uh, just a few minutes to stick with us and I want to tell you about a new thing I've started that might be of interest to some of y'all. But I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener. It's a garden party produced by Mississippi Public Broadcast. We'll be right back after this.
4: Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit MPBOnline.org. Okay, though, folks. Welcome back. I to rushing.
0: By the way, last week I uh, had a, a listener from Mobile call and want to know about planting callaloo. And I wasn't familiar with callaloo, and it turns out there's a reason why. Callaloo isn't a plant. Uh, it's a dish. It's a real popular Caribbean dish. And I've seen it before, but its uh, it's, its main ingredient is going to be a leafy vegetable. It could be amaranth or, or uh, the, the elephant or the taro. There's all sorts of things that you can use for leafy vegetables uh And sometimes the leafy vegetable is called callaloo a uh, callaloo bush uh but anyway it's it's mainly a dish that's uh that's made with either amaranth or or uh water spinach or or one of those kind of plants so anyway, live and learn huh by the way, I wanted to mention that there's a uh a, a new internet thing I just started uh a month or so ago. I actually started doing a blog. And I don't really like blogs. I think they're boring most of the time. And mine's going to be as boring as any. But instead of saying, here's what I did today, or here's something I'm doing, uh, I decided to have a little thing about oddball stuff that has nothing to do with how-to. Stuff like big bottle trees. Uh, uh, St. Fiacre, the official patron saint of gardening. So if you're interested in that sort of stuff, just light reading with pictures, if you want to check it out, it's an online thing. If you just Google Felder Rushing. Blog, B L O G, fellow rushing blog. blog. It will take to this site. The one that I just put up was was uh, inspired by last week's program. Or no, right before Christmas, we did an encore presentation here at MPB, in which we uh, played a uh, an interview I did with Doctor Dirt, Leon Goldsberry, Doctor Dirt. He was my co-host for a little over between three and four years, closer to three years, I guess. Anyway, he passed away last year. And I just did a little photo essay with some quotes from Dirt, some pictures of him, his gardens, the weekly bouquets he used to make in his own garden. But it's a little uh, thing about Dr. Dirt, and it has a link uh, for the MPB interview that, that he and I did that showed the two of us in our gardens and a pickup truck and all like that. But if you're interested in the big bottle trees or St. Fiacre or Dr. Dirt or anything like that, check it out. Felda Rushing blog. I don't sell anything, so don't worry about that, and uh, let me know what you think. If you like it, share it with some other folks. Meanwhile, let's go down to, let's go up to Cleveland to talk with Melissa. Hey, Melissa, good morning.
4: Good morning. How
3: are
0: you? I'm fine, thank you. What's going on? Staying warm?
5: Um, trying to, yeah. Um, We have quite a bit of snow here in Cleveland, but it's
0: going to be all right. Yeah, it's going to be all right. Good. Ain't much you can do about it.
4: Well my my question regards uh my wedding. I'm getting married in March and I'm wondering if eucalyptus grow around the delta and if they're in bloom in March and if I can prune them to use as greenery.
0: Well uh, the answer is yes and yes and yes, but it's going to be hard. Um eucalyptus right. the one that's most the one that's most commonly grown is the one called silver dollar. Eucalyptus got the little round, silvery gray leaves, um, and it'll grow in the delta, but it's not readily available, so not many people do grow it. So if you can find any, if there's a garden club uh, there in Cleveland, which there is, or the Master Gardeners, they may know of somebody who's got one, and you could take some stems off of it.
3: But, okay, uh, how do I find see. the garden
0: club? Uh, if you if you'll call the extension office there and ask us to talk to the Master Garden. They'll know who the Garden Club ladies are. And you shoot me an email. I can I can put you in touch with them, too. But there, I think there's two Garden Clubs in Cleveland. I'm not sure. But anyway, somebody, either Master Gardeners or Garden Club ladies, going to know if anybody's got one. You know, if you can kind of borderline hardy, but it's not impossible to find one at the Delta. All right,
4: great. Thank you very much.
0: Well, congratulations, and I hope you find some. If you don't, you know, it's one of those, you can find it at places, you know, some of the craft shops and all if you're going up to Memphis or down to Jackson. Yeah. Or any, any yeah. florist. If it could be the main thing, if you like the fragrance and just that texture, any florist could get some for you within two or two, three days, a few stems of it. All
4: right. Wonderful. Thank you.
0: Okay. Good luck. Email me if I can help some more. All righty, horticultural rush We've been talking about gardening. I just got an email from Carol Richmond. She said, I haven't had a good pecan harvest in more than four years. Is there something I can do to promote better pecan crop? And just she is this normal? She's from Louise, which is up in the Delta. It's really, really hard to uh to predict pecans. I was raised in a pecan grove in Indianola, just north of Louise. Uh and typically a pecan tree is gonna have a good crop, a couple of then a bad crop and a couple of so-so crops, in other words, a good crop every three or four years. Um, If we have a lot of rain while they're in bloom, which happens in April, which we had a lot of this past April, then that washes all the pollen away. See, Any pecan grower knows if it rains real heavy during the week or two when they're pollinating, they're not going to have any crop. So it's one of the reasons why pecan growers typically have different varieties to make sure because some bloom earlier than later than others. That kind of helps on that. But other than putting a little fertilizer out under the outer spread of the branches and beyond, you know, way on out there, fertilize your grass, that'll help the trees, be a, what fertilize the grass or fertilize the trees, too. That'll help them about as much as anything. A little fertilizer every three or four years is really about all a pecan tree needs to have its best shot. If you got more than one variety, it ups the odds. But if we have bad weather, hard freezes, late freezes, heavy rains during early part of April when they bloom. Not much we can do about that. Anyway, I appreciate that email. If anybody wants to email me anytime, garden at MPB dot org. We're going to be talking about gardening here every Friday rebroadcast on Saturday. Uh let me by the way, Java, is uh, little Java out of school today or did they have
2: school? No, they actually had school um because, you know, he he um I guess it didn't affect uh, their their school with the weather, so they, he's he's at school right now. But when I was dropping them off, that's when the first few <laughs> snowflakes were falling, and yeah,
0: you're gonna break his heart. But you know that's part of being a parent, having to drop what you're doing and run out scoot, and grab the kids.
2: Yeah, that's true. And Felder, I went to your blog, felderrushing.blog, dot blog, and uh, it looks pretty yeah. looks pretty slick, man. You got you got a good thing going on.
0: Uh, I had a, a good help with the design. I got a whole bunch of stuff about my the, the truck, about uh, the giant bottle trees, but also the one about Doctor Dirt. I put a lot of effort in that because he's such a hero to so many people. So anyway, check it out, blog if you want to. And uh, we'll take it from there. The Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is a laid-back Java Chapman. Our phone greeter was the Super Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Felder Rushing. Here's hoping for a great new year. Take a drive or walk around. See what's going on in other people's yards, what you might want to have in your yard next year. But mostly... Here on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, holiday weekend, take a kid to a garden center, show them that there's stuff out there, find them something to do to let them know that it's okay, even for grown-ups, to get dirty. See ya. By the way, in the velvet darkness the blackest night, there's a light in the darkness of everybody's life.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.